I'm going to tell you that before we even get started, this is, I, I believe this is the most important thing, this is the most important series that we've done. Uh, I believe it's the most important series that we're going to do for a while. Not that, not that the Word of God gets less important, but that this series is what I feel like we need. It's what I need. It's something that I'm working in, and I'm growing in, and I'm still learning. I'm just telling you this is really important. So I know that we're getting close to school, and all the, all the regular festivities are coming back. And so we're going on vacation, and you're going out of town doing these last-minute things, and that's great. I'm not ever going to tell you to, like, skip your vacation and come to church. But that's why we have resources like Facebook. Uh, you don't want to miss a week of this. It's really, it is, is important that you hear all of them, uh, and they all go together. So I just want to tell you that. Secondly, there's going to be several messages in this series uh, that I ask the kids to leave. And it's not because we're talking about something controversial. It's not because, it, so don't get all excited. <laughs> like, yeah, but it's just going to be a little bit over their heads. Um, and I don't want to be the reason that you have conversations with your kids before you are intending to. Um, and so today is one of those messages. I would advise that if you have kiddos that are younger than like fifth grade, that they go to the back and watch VeggieTales with Misty and Barbara. You do not have to do that. Obviously, that's just my suggestion um, as to what is best for this message. But anyways, we are starting a new series this morning, and it's called Indeed. Um, and I've had a lot of people will give me some flack for my message titles and my series titles. And here's, here's the reason. You can give me flack all you want, but here's the deal. I name them away on a purpose so that you have no idea what's coming and so that you want to keep coming back. Um, so this, the, the message title indeed, or the series title indeed, comes from John eight thirty six, which says, who the sun sets free will be free indeed. Uh, and that indeed is a really important word in that verse, because what I believe is that most people don't, most Christians don't believe that they can indeed be free, because they don't believe that indeed they can actually be bound, and indeed they can actually be in bondage. And so this series we are tackling what does spiritual bondage look like and what does spiritual freedom look like. But there's going to be some heaviness and there's going to be some, it's going to be uncomfortable. I'm telling you, you're going to be uncomfortable. I'm going to be uncomfortable. This is how we grow. I just almost fell off this stage just now. This is how we grow. Ugh. But we're going to learn and we're going to grow. You see, the moment you accept Jesus, you're eternally saved. You are eternally free in the spiritual. But there's freedom that can happen here with us now. You don't have to live bound before you get to heaven. You can live free here, and that's what we're going to talk about. This series uh, is one that changed my life. So almost every one of my series, almost every one of my messages, I do, it's, it's just me by myself, well, not with a pen and paper, but with my computer, and I'm, I'm, it's just me, it's my thoughts that the Lord's given me. This series, we're basing largely on another church's series, uh, and it's a church in Dallas. They have a ton of resources regarding this. I would love to connect those with you. Uh, but when I heard this series done by that church in Dallas, it literally forever changed my life. Uh, I, will, I will never be the same. It's something, again, I'm still walking out. I'm still learning. I'm still growing in. It is vitally important. Uh, this is a series that will change your life if you put it into practice and you put it into effect. Today's message is entitled, Possession and influence. And we're going to be in three main passages uh, Mark chapter 5, Luke chapter 10, and John 8. We're going to be in a couple other verses too, uh, but you can just jot those down when we get there. 
before we jump into everything, um, this is going to be a tough series. It's going to challenge you. It's going to challenge your thoughts. It's going to challenge your comfort. I want to tell you that Sunday nights, we have been having an incredible time in this room on Sunday nights coming because we want to encourage you to come with questions and with concerns and with things that I said that you hate and things that I said that you love. We want you to come and bring those. And for a large portion of the time on Sunday nights, we have discussion uh, where you can come and you can ask me things. And Landon, uh, I did not like that at all. And we can talk about it. So if you have those things that come up in today's message and any of the other messages, please come Sundays at 6. Uh, it's, it's really great and it will, it will, you will grow from it. We're going to be talking about freedom and bondage. And that's not the hard part of, of the series. The hard part is that we're going to be talking about what is it that binds you and what does it look like to be free. That's what's going to be uncomfortable, and that's what's going to be hard, but it's something that we really need. We know that the enemy comes, and he has three purposes. He wants to kill us, he wants to steal from us, and he wants to destroy us. That's it. That's the only things that he wants to do, and he's good at it. He's been doing it for a long time. Biblically, in Deuteronomy, you can look this up, but biblically, when a thief gets caught, he has to repay what he stole seven times. This is, this is a term called replevin. He has to return, return what he stole seven times. And so what we're going to do in this series, this is the entire goal, and I want you to keep this picture in mind because I'm going to come back to it. The entire goal is we want to catch the thief in the act of robbing us, and we want to grab him by the throat, and we want to throw him out, and we want to make him repay what he stole from us. The joy that he stole, he has to repay seven times worth. The peace that he stole, he has to repay seven times worth. The time that he stole, he's going to have to repay. That's the purpose of this series. We do not want the enemy to get away with what he's doing. We want to put our foot down and grab him by the throat and throw him out. That's the purpose of this series. So I'm going to get fired up. Some of you were saying I'm wearing a short sleeve shirt. I'm fired up. I got to be able to sweat some. It's okay. It happens. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to John chapter 8, if you're opening up with us. Context in Scripture is everything. Uh, if you read a, a verse in the Bible in the wrong context, it can change the meaning of the verse. So we have to put everything that we're reading and make sure we're reading it correctly. John chapter 8, verse 31. To the Jews who had believed Him, Jesus said... Alright, I'm going to be stopping so much today. To the Jews who had believed Him... Everything that he's about to say, he's saying to believers. You need to, you need to realize this. He's saying this to believers, people that already know him, people that already believe him. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say we shall be set free? So, this is, I hate to use the word stupid in church. This is one of the most stupid statements that anyone will make in all of Scripture. And if you, you can challenge me on that. It's, it's one of the most ignorant statements you'll see in all, of Bi- in all of the Bible. These Christians are talking to Jesus. Jesus, fully God, knows everything. They're talking to Jesus. And they say, we've never been bound. We've never been in captivity. We've never been slaves to anyone. These are Abraham's descendants. You just want to look at him and say... Hello, have you heard of the Old Testament? Have have you ever heard of it? Because in the entire Old Testament, all these people were is bound. They were always slaves. That's just who they were. 
And he's sitting here, oh, no, we're, we've never been bound. We'll never be bound. We're just, no, no way, no way, Jose. Even in this time that this is being written and being said, they're slaves to the Romans at this exact time. It's just complete ignorance. And we're going to talk about this more here in a little bit, but you can be bound. <laughs> These are believers. These are believers that Jesus is talking to. And he says, we've never been bound. But Jesus is saying, absolutely, you've been bound. And here's how, you, here's how you become free. But we don't need to be ignorant because we cannot be free unless we know we can be bound. That's just, that's the whole point of this series. We can't be free unless we know we can be bound. You cannot be free indeed unless you indeed know that you can be bound. Verse 34, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. So he says, okay, you're wrong because you've sinned. So you're a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are ready to kill me because you have no room for my word. I am telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence. And what you do, you have heard from your father. So Jesus talking to believers. He's talking to, to followers of Jesus who are then ignorant about the fact that they could be bound. Here's what I want you to know. There is a war happening for your soul. You can be bound. You can be bound. You are not automatically free. Fight for your freedom. You are free eternally. You are saved. You, you are in the presence of God. When you die, you get to spend eternity with him. But you don't have to wait until then to be free. You can be free now. But in order to be free, you have to admit that you could be bound. You cannot know what freedom is unless you know what it means to be bound. Same thing. You cannot know what a straight line is unless you know what a crooked line is. You have to know this. There is a war happening for your soul, but you can win. Mark chapter 5. I'm going to read 20 verses. That's a lot. That's a lot of scripture, but I'm going to stop probably every half second, so just hang in there. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not with a chain. Okay, this man has an evil spirit, he has a demon, and he is living in a cemetery. Okay, I want, let's just be all on the same page. He's living in a cemetery. For he had been often chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. This man is bound, okay? This man has a demon in him that is making him live in the tombs, and it's making him to where physically they're chaining him down, and he's able to break it off, and he's cutting his arm with stones. This man is bound, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I want to tell you, I believe this is the demon talking. This is not the man talking. And here's why. What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. Okay, well, one, Jesus would never torture a man. They knew this. They've seen this in Jesus. He would never torture a man. So no man would say, Jesus, please don't torture me. But second... He called him Jesus, son of the most high God. If you look in the New Testament, every time a demon talks, they call, him the, they call Jesus the most reverent names because they tremble at that name. And so when he's saying, son of the most high God, this is a demon talking out of this man, and he's scared. He is absolutely terrified because he knows this is Jesus, son of the most high God. 
And then it says, for Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you evil spirit. Verse 8, for Jesus, had said, for Jesus had said to him, if you look at language, what that actually means is, before this, Jesus had said to him. What that means is, Jesus and this demon, they already knew each other. They had already interacted. They're talking, he's talking to the demon. He's not talking to this man. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. All right, again, we've got to look at some language. Legion is a Roman term, and it means 6,826 soldiers. This man says that the demons inside of him are named Legion, 6,826. This man is the definition of bound. He has 6,826 demons living inside of him. He's living in a cemetery, and he's chained up, and he's able to break free. This man does not know what freedom is, but he definitely knows what being bound is. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. Verse 11. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission. He gave them permission. We're going to talk about that verse in a couple weeks. He gave them permission. It's important. And the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, Rushed, to the, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. We're going to talk about that as well. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but he said, Go to your family and tell them about how much the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. This man was bound. 6,826 demons living inside of this man. He was living in a cemetery. Chains could not hold him down anymore. This man was bound. This feels like a very discouraging way to start this message. But you've got to realize, this man probably was more bound than anybody in here, unless anyone is living naked in a cemetery, which if you are, please come talk. We, can, we will get you out of that cemetery. But this man was more bound than you, and he was able to be free. But it took Jesus. You can be bound, but you can also be free. Number one, point number one, spiritual warfare is real. And we're very comfortable with that sentence, but here's what we're uncomfortable with. Number one, B, or letter one, I don't know how you say that. B, that means the demonic is real. That is a very, very uncomfortable thing to talk about in church, but we have to. We've got to be open and honest about where we're at in this fight for freedom. 82 times. In, in the Bible, demons are mentioned. 61 times demons are mentioned in the New Testament. In fact, most of Jesus' ministry is him casting out demons. And so if you want to pretend that demons aren't real and that they don't exist, you have to basically white out a lot of Jesus' ministry and a lot of the things that he did, a lot of the ways that he set people free. We've got to white that out. Guess what? We can't do that to Scripture. That's not our job. We can't. We don't have the authority to do it. Demons are what we call fallen angels, okay? When, when Satan fell from heaven, he took one-third of the angels with him. This is good news. It's not bad news, 
Because that means there's one-third that are demons, but that means there's two-thirds that are on our side. And angels are way stronger than demons. You want to know how we know that? The Old Testament. When it's time to kick Satan down to hell, God says, uh, I'm going to send one angel to do it. He sends one angel to kick the king of hell down to hell. Okay? Angels are stronger. Angels are way stronger than demons. We have two-thirds of them fighting on our side. But we cannot ignore the fact that that means there's one-third that are not on our side. Another phrase for demons is disembodied spirits. Uh, these are spirits that are looking for a body. They're looking for a place. They're looking for somewhere that they can have influence. C.S. Lewis is one of my favorite authors, and he says this. There's two kinds of people that Satan gets excited about, the skeptic and the superstitious. I knew a girl in high school, and this is true. This is a true story. And I'm sure that you can immediately start thinking of these people. Do not turn and look at them if they're sitting next to you. Just keep focusing up here on me. You can have that conversation later. I knew this girl in high school, and literally, she would, like, walk, and she would stub her toe, and all of a sudden, Satan was after her. And, like, she, she just thought her life was over, and everything horrible was about to happen to her. And it's like, no, you just, you just walked wrong. You're just being, it's, that's superstition. Satan gets excited about these people because he's all in their head. No, you didn't get a cold because Satan's after you. got a cold because you forgot to wash your hands and they put your entire hand in your mouth. It's not Satan, it's you. Don't blame him. You're giving him too much credit. Satan is excited about these people, but he's also excited about the skeptic. The people that say, there's no way any of that's real. It's it just not. He's excited about these people because he can also get them. Satan's excited about two people, the skeptic and the superstitious. The Bible says our battle is not flesh and blood. We're not fighting a physical battle. We learned about this in the armor series. We're not fighting each other. We're not fighting another human being. We're fighting something in the spiritual. We're fighting spiritual warfare. We cannot deny that these exist, but Jesus came to set us free. And you can't be free unless you know you can be bound. The only ones that can't be free are the ones that are not willing to admit that they can be bound. That's it. Those are the people that can't be free. So this is not a discouraging thing. This is an encouraging thing. Other, other spiritual groups and other, like, in Africa, those of us that go to Uganda in December, Christians are much more aware of the spiritual nature outside of the United States than we are. Uh, they are much, I mean, you know, they have services that last like four and five and six hours, which today is not one, hallelujah. But they have these really long services, and it's because a lot of times they're spending time praying. And they're saying, you know, we just want to win, and, and, and that's what their service looks like. And they're much more in tune with that. In America, we're way less comfortable with that. I remember when I, was a, when I was a kid, I had one of the worst dreams of my life. And this is going to sound so stupid, but literally, you can ask my family. I had this dream. I had this dream that I was at the zoo, and suddenly I'm looking behind me, and there is a man standing there, and he's got a zebra for a face, okay? Human body, zebra face, and he's coming after me. My six-year-old brain... I'm absolutely horrified. Now I'd be like, cool, zebra man. But in that, in that moment, I was terrified. And I remember waking up and running to my dad's room, running to my parents' room. My dad would come and he would tuck me back in and he would pray over me. And one of the things he would pray that I, was, I loved, it, it made me feel so good, but he would pray that angels would surround me. And angels would surround my room and surround my bed. And that was such a comforting feeling. We're very comfortable thinking about the fact that we have angels fighting for us. We're very uncomfortable about the fact that without angels, 
With angels, you have to have demons. Without angels, then you don't have demons, but they're, one, they're counterparts. I would never have been comfortable if my dad's praying for me and he's saying, uh, Landon, I just pray that the Lord would surround you with his angels and that the demons that are after you would not get you. I would be so uncomfortable. It wouldn't make me feel good because we're much, much more comfortable with angels than we are with demons. But you can't have one without the other because they're counterparts. They're fighting each other. So that's number one. Spiritual warfare is real. Number two, demons really do enter people. We're getting uncomfortable. <laughs> Here we go. This is, not in your, uh, this is not in your notes, but if you want to write it down, it's John 10, verse 1. I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. All right, when you're reading Scripture, we've got to break down language. We know certain things about the Bible. We know over and over and over and over again, one person is called a thief and he's called a robber, and that's Satan. Throughout all of Scripture, he is called a thief and a robber. We also know that throughout Scripture, there's one group of people that's called sheep over and over and over again, and that's us. And so what Jesus is saying is, there's somebody that's trying to get into the sheep, and he's a thief. It can't be more clear than this. It can't be. There's somebody that's trying to get into the sheep, and he is a thief. But here's where we get tricky. We've seen too many movies. We've watched too many cartoons. We've seen too many things at Halloween, and we really don't understand what this looks like. We have a really bad idea. Our minds have been perverted to thinking something that it never should think when it comes to this. There's a phrase that's tossed around. It says, demon-possessed. And possessed in, in the original language means two different things. Number one, it means ownership. It means that something owns you. Let me tell you, nothing can own you. You were already bought. You were already paid for. Jesus bought you. You cannot be owned, especially by a demon, especially by anything that the enemy's doing. You can't be owned. Never. So that is not what this word means, and that's typically the picture that we get in our mind of just completely out of control and just we have no idea what's going on. No, you can't be owned. You were bought, for, you were bought and paid for, and that's done. That cannot be returned. The second thing that it means, though, is under the influence of. Demon-possessed, under the influence of. If there's a man who takes drugs and alcohol to the point where he is drunk or he is high or whatever you want to say, this man will begin to act out of character. He'll begin to make decisions he normally wouldn't make. He'll begin to suffer, and it's because he is under the influence of drugs and alcohol. It is the same thing in the spiritual. It's the same thing in the spiritual. If you leave a door open to the enemy, he's going to get in, and he's going to have influence over your life. He doesn't own you but he will have influence over your life. The demonic have a say when we let them. Not under their ownership, but under their influence. Again, this is not bad news. This is good news. There's people in this room that I feel have struggled with a sin or struggled with a habit or struggled with something. It's been 20 or 25 or 30 years, and it's like, man, why can't I just stop doing this? Why can't I just stop watching porn? I just can't stop doing it. Why can't I stop doing this? Whatever it is. Here's the good news. It might not all be your will. It might, be, it might not be that you just haven't tried hard enough, haven't fought hard enough. It may be that there's a door in your life that you need to shut. You need to go in, grab the thief by the neck, and throw him out. That may be what it is. So this is encouraging. 
You may have been fighting a battle in the physical that was really a battle in the spiritual. So don't be discouraged by this message. Be challenged because now it's time. The enemy's taken too much and we're done. I'm done with it in my life. I'm done letting him take things. I'm going in and we're grabbing him and we're throwing him out. And he's got to repay what he stole. It's not about your will sometimes. You may be under the influence. In Kwana, no one really locks their doors. I've learned this. Y'all are all so nice. It just, just no one locks their doors. I still lock my doors, by the way, so don't just come sneaking in. But <laughs> if you came to church this morning and you left your front door open, not open, but unlocked, and you get home and there's a thief sitting in your living room, like with a bag of Cheetos, and you're like, what? Does he own your house? No, obviously not. He doesn't own it. Does he have influence over who's in control of the house in that moment? Yes, he does. But there's something you can do. Grab him by the neck and throw him out of the house after you call the police. Probably. That didn't work as well with my scenario that I was painting. We, there, there's a thief that sometimes we've let in because we left the door open or we've left the window open, and he's got in. He's not in control. We've got to throw him out. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about some open doors. It's, we're, it's, I'm going to step on every single person in here's toes, at my own. I'm just going to be stomping. It's going to be good. We've left doors open, and we've got to shut them. We've let the enemy in, and we've got to throw them out. There's several more references that talk in Scripture about, about the enemy uh, and how he wants to get into people. Uh, a lot in the Old Testament, a lot of visual pictures about locusts and all these kind of things. Come to evening service. I will give you some of those. Uh, if you have more questions or more thoughts, come to, there, come to that. <clears throat> I want to paint you one more picture before we move to point number three. So we have this, this drunk man that we've known. Drunk man, he's under the influence of drugs and alcohol. He makes decisions he shouldn't make he, because he's under their influence. This is how it looks in the spiritual. This is, this is what we're talking about, how, how we leave doors open. This same man is addicted to porn. He's been watching porn for 20 years. And he sits and he sits and he can't stop watching porn no matter what he does. He just can't stop watching. This man, because of his addiction and because of his sin, will begin to act out of character. He'll begin to make decisions that hurt people and that hurt himself because he's under the influence of something else. This is how it looks. This is an open door. We're going to talk about that, how that's an open door. It's not something... Again, we have this, this perverted mind of the demonic and what it, what it looks like and what it does, but reality is we've left the door open. They've snuck in, but now it's time to throw them out. That's, that's what it looks like. They don't own you, but they can influence you. Number three, here's the good news. Jesus casts them out. We know spiritual warfare is real. We know demons really do enter people, but number three, we know Jesus casts them out. Luke chapter 10, verse 17. This is hilarious. Those of you who think Jesus wasn't sarcastic need to reread everything. <laughs> Luke 10, 17. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So we often just read very monotone or monotonous like I just did. Jesus, I just, you can just picture his face when he says this. He's like, Okay, are you kidding me? I literally saw Jesus fall. I mean, not Jesus. Saw Satan fall from heaven. I literally witnessed it with my own eyes. And then he keeps going. 
I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. He's like, why, why are you so excited about this? Of course you can do it. It's me. Because this is nothing. And do you think Jesus is actually talking about scorpions and snakes? Why would he be talking? That would be so random to bring up. No, he's referencing how little the power of the demonic is compared to his name. Demons tremble at his name. They can't do anything but tremble at his name. And he's saying, those rats and scorpions, don't mess with them. You're fine. With my name, you're free. But it takes his name. And he says, don't don't rejoice over this. This is nothing. I'm so big, this is nothing. Rejoice over the fact that you have me and that I can do it. That's what he's saying here. Jesus really does cast them out. And it's nothing for him. For him, they're, they're, they're obedient, submissive slaves with the name of Jesus. That's how come every time you see them in Scripture, they're calling Jesus these most reverent names. Oh, they're most high God, son of the most high God, they're calling him because they know how powerful his name is. And they know that that's the only name that can get him out. Remember when Jesus got really mad? This is hilarious. When Jesus got really mad and he walks into the temple with a whip and he starts kicking people out, he walks into the temple and kicks thieves out. Okay, thieves, again, referencing the enemy. Temple. Christians are called. We're the temple. We're the, we're the temple of Christ. This is, this is so spiritual. I just picture Jesus, and we've just got junk sometimes in our life, and we've got these open doors, and we're under the influence of something else. And I just picture Jesus walking in my brain sometimes, and he's got a he's like Indiana Jones with this whip, and he's like, get out. And, and, and they're gone. They have to. Because they're obedient, submissive slaves with the name of Jesus. Getting demons out doesn't look like an, an exorcism. It doesn't, and, and I think, again, we have these horrible pictures in our minds where somebody's chained to a table and like it, it's horrible and it's disgusting. Here's what it looks like. Shutting the door. That's what it looks like. The enemy got in right here. I'm throwing him out. I'm slamming the door. I'm locking it. I'm bolting it. That's what it looks like, shutting the dang door. That's what we have to do. It doesn't look like anything scary. It's nothing like that. But we've got to be in charge and we've got to be in control. That's what it looks like. We're going to talk about some open doors. Here we go. Everyone ready to have their feet stepped on? In a couple of weeks, we're going to be discussing some of these. Here's an open door. Pornography. It's an open door. The enemy will have influence over your life. He will. Number two, pride. This is, this is a killer open door. You talk about what got Satan kicked out of heaven? Pride. Here's another one. This is going to be uncomfortable. Stealing from the church when you don't tithe. It's an open door. I hate saying it, and I'm not, I'm not just saying it because I'm a pastor. You can look it up. You can look it up in the Old Testament. You can look it up in the New Testament. When people don't tithe, it's an open door. It's an open door for the enemy to move. Here's one. Everyone's going to hate me. Y'all keep your tomatoes and stones away for a second. Here's an open door. Celebrating a holiday that celebrates the demonic. You want to know where the word Halloween came from? Hallowed be. Whose name? Whose name do we hallow? One person's name. Jesus' name. And when we celebrate a holiday that celebrates the demonic, we're opening a door because we're hallowing something that's other than Jesus' name. It's not wrong to get candy from people. I love getting candy from people. That's not what's wrong. It's not wrong to dress up like a clown. It's not wrong. But let's not celebrate the demonic 
and ghosts and witches and all these things. Why do we want to do that? Why do we want to let our kids see these things and, 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 and introduce them to these things? We shouldn't. It's gross. I lo- let's have a fall fest and let's still give out candy and let's still dress up like a clown. I love dressing up. Don't look on my Facebook. You'll see a lot. I'm dressed up like everything, granny, everything. You don't, don't even count it. But we're not going to do it in celebrating something that is deceitful and something that is demonic. We don't want to do that. That's an open door. Ouija boards, palm reading, tarot cards, all these things. These are open doors that we allow the enemy. And we think it's little small things, but it's things that really do have an effect. Again, if you, if you disagree with me, if you have questions or concerns, please come tonight. Please. I would love to sit and talk about it. That's, that's why we do it, so we can grow together. We're going to talk about open doors. We're going to talk about, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be hard, but we're going to talk about how do we get them out, how do we shut the door. But here's what I want to encourage you with. I'm going to go back as we close to Mark 5. Mark 5, this man was bound. This man was in serious bondage. He had a legion of demons that he was under the influence of. He was living naked in a cemetery. So much so that when people saw him and he looked normal, they were scared and asked Jesus to leave. They had no idea what he had done. They were that scared because this man was so in bondage. But if you go back to it, I'm going to go back to it. Let's just do it. When he saw Jesus from a distance, watch this, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. Nothing that this man, no no sin that this man had committed, no demonic influence that had happened in this man's life, no chain, nothing could hold this man back from running to the feet of the one that could free him. Nothing. There is nothing in your life that you've done too much or you're too far gone or anything. Nothing can stop you from running to the feet of the one that can free you. And we can run. We can run to him and we can be free. You don't have to live in bondage. You can live in freedom. We're going to shut the door. We're going to get him out so that we can live in freedom. The thief has no place anymore. It's time to get him out. The enemy wants you to focus on everything but the fact that you can still run to Jesus. This man I'm sure, again, even like me, I'm sitting and focusing on the fact that he's chained, that he's naked, that he's living in a cemetery. I'm like, wow, that's disgusting. But guess what? It doesn't stop him from getting to Jesus. They can't stop him. Nothing can stop you. The enemy cannot stop you from running to the one who can free you. If you feel too far gone, if you feel too bound, if you feel too stuck, you're not. You can be free and you can live in freedom. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you that we have a place where we can come and talk about the tough subjects. We can come and be open and honest and vulnerable and maybe uncomfortable. Uh, But Lord, I just thank you that you do want us to be free. God, I thank you that you came so that we could be free and free indeed. God, I just pray that those of us that have stuff stirring up in in our hearts and in our minds, I pray that we'd be comfortable enough to ask you questions and to come to Sunday night and ask questions. And Lord, that we would just be willing to acknowledge that we might be bound so that we can truly live in freedom here. God, we love you and we thank you that you want to drive the thieves out and we just, we're excited about it. We're excited about partnering with you and seeing what you have to do. You are so good and you are so faithful. In Jesus' name, amen.